It's the Rush Fancast. It's Steve and Jerry. We are back. Jerry, how are you? I'm okay. Now, this is the first podcast we've recorded since this coronavirus thing has started in the United States. Yes. So we are sheltering in place. We are. Here in my basement. That's right. I don't know if it's a good idea for you and I to be even near each other. Well. But here we are. Well, usually when we record, you know, I'm in your lap. (laughs) And... (laughs) And when, you know, when things get tough, I lean against you for comfort. But now we're, we're apart from each other. Yes. So we're not. About two feet apart. Yeah. So I think after this podcast is over, if I have coronavirus or if you have coronavirus, we're probably going to give it to each other just throughout the air here. Don't oh, you think? That's pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I hadn't thought of that. Well, it's too late now. Too late now. We're here. You can follow us on Twitter at RushFanCast, Instagram the RushCast. Email jerry at therushcast at gmail.com. The emails keep pouring in. We appreciate it. The bass intro, as always, done by our good pal Lex. Today, Xanadu is what he did. Yeah, I know. Awesome. Very cool. Rate us on your favorite podcast app. Tell a friend about the Rush Fancast. Now, another thing we should mention is this is the second time we've recorded this particular podcast. The last time we recorded was a couple of weeks ago, and we did both side one and side two of a farewell to Kings on the same day. We recorded them. Yeah. And somehow the, the audio file that we created was corrupted. I know. So it's morals were corrupted. I have to tell you that was the best podcast we ever did. I know it was, it was so good. I know. And I don't remember anything about it. Definitely would have won like a Webby award or something. (laughs) It was fantastic. This one's not going to be nearly as good. You never know. We can strike gold twice. I doubt it. I I doubt it. We'll see. Anyway, I've got a Twitter poll. I'm pretty sure on the podcast that disappeared, we did a Twitter poll, or at least I told you about a Twitter poll we did on counterparts. Side two of counterparts, Jared. Okay. I asked the Twitter verse what their favorite song on side two was. I will give you the choices I gave. Uh-huh. Alien Shore, Double Agent, Cold Fire, and Everyday Glory. Now there are six songs on side two. I left off the speed of love and leave that thing alone because okay. Twitter only allows four choices. Mm. I had to jettison two choices. Those I'll, were the two I jettisoned. I'll just go with uh, Double Agent. No. Oh. No, Cold Fire. Oh, okay. Yes, 40% of our listeners chose Cold Fire. Okay. 25% picked Everyday Glory. Oh, boy. I know you don't like Everyday Glory, but our listeners yeah. were not happy with the fact that you don't like Everyday Glory. Uh, yeah, you know, I was prepared to get some flack for Roll the Bones for, you know, not liking it that much. Right. I really wasn't as prepared <laughs> <laughs> to get a lot of flack from not liking counterparts that much. So I So did. you got a little flack. I did. And especially about Everyday Glory. People uh, people love that song. Yep. Double Agent got 16%. Alien Shore got 19%. Couple of votes for Leave That Thing Alone. I don't recall many votes for The Speed of Love. Not surprising. Not one of Rush's greatest songs. Somewhere out there is a person and that's his favorite song. Yeah, could be. So Definitely. So- We're going to talk about side two of A Farewell to Kings today, Jer. Again. And I believe that last time we talked about the album art. Yeah, we usually talk about the album art. So what do you have to say about the the album art? I I didn't bring it with me. You didn't bring the album with me? Last time I had it, this time I don't. The album sort of, if if I recall correctly, looks like the ruins of a a city. Right. Correct? With like an old marionette. 
And you, like and you mentioned that the marionette guy is not a marionette. It's a real it's a person, real person, right? Yeah. Uh, that surprised me because I always thought it was just like some wooden doll. That being a marionette, a wooden doll. And I think it's a pretty cool cover for oh, Hugh Syme. It's a, like a photograph of something in the world as opposed to a piece of artwork. So right. That's cool. That's different. It's that's pretty, it? Yeah, that's all I have. That's all you got? We probably talked a lot more about it the first we time. We probably did, which is why we would have won the award for the episode. <laughs> but today, it's just going to be... Right. I don't know what it's going to be. Anyway, we're going to get into side two of A Farewell to Kings right now, Closer to the Heart. Jer, so closer to the heart. Your thoughts on one of Rush's biggest hits, really? I know it's an, it was a huge hit, right? Huge, probably their first huge hit, I would think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's just, just a fantastic song. It's such a departure, I think, from the whole album. This whole album being a departure from the heavy rocking, you know, albums that came before it. This is definitely a, a nice sounding, beautiful song. You know, I mentioned on a previous podcast when we were talking about Roll the Bones, what is a song? you would play for right. for just a generic music fan who had never heard Rush before. Yeah. What's the one song you would play for them? And I think I have to rethink that. Yeah, I think it's got to be- forgot about the It's got to be heart. this one, yeah, right? probably. I mean, I picked, what, Dreamline, which is a great song, but yeah. this is, this, pales in comparison to this. Right, and this song has pieces of everything that makes Rush great. Yeah, yeah. It, might, it just might be the perfect Rush song, really. It might be. It might be. What is the perfect Rush song? That's a good- Good I question. Have, I have thought about that. I have one in mind. It's not this one? No. You're not going to tell me? Should I? Oh, you can. It's up to you. I think the perfect Rush song is Headlong Flight. Really? Yeah. Again, it contains a piece of everything that makes Rush great. Little, yeah. A little drum solo in it. It's complicated in parts. Bass sounds amazing. It's got that hemispheres chord. Yeah. Everything <laughs> about that song is rush now do you think they deliberately did that i mean we could talk about that down the road when we talk about clockwork angels but do you think their intention was to make that song just encapsulate everything that is rush i mean it's a song about um wanting to live your life over again so yeah i think it's a it's a, it's a look back on the past and how great it was and even though they had ups and downs you still would live it all again yeah. So, yeah, I think they did do it on purpose. Definitely. Okay, so uh, the lyrics, Jar. I mean, the lyrics of this song are just fantastic. Yeah, pure poetry. I know people always say that lyrics aren't necessarily poetry, but this is poetry. Definitely. Yeah. And uh, Neil wrote these with Peter Talbot, correct? Right. I'm going to refer to that Louder article I mentioned on the last podcast. Yes. About the making of A Farewell to Kings. So Getty says this, this song has a folk protest song vibe. That's the first time that Neil had collaborated with another writer, Peter Talbot. So it was pretty pivotal in all sorts of ways. I don't recall how we met Peter. He lived on Vashon Island in the Pacific Northwest. I believe that's 
off the coast of Seattle. I sure. Think. Let's say, let's go with that. <laughs> and he had a real West coast hippie lifestyle. He was married with a little kid and we go visit them on the island and watch them smoke dope with their kid. Ooh. And I thought that was really <laughs> strange being high with a young kid. That just seemed how, different somehow. How old was the kid? Does it say? Doesn't say. So Getty goes on to say, Neil and, and Peter got really close. They became real pals. They had lots of things in common. They thought about a lot of things in the same way. He gave some poems to Neil, and Neil took them away with him, and one of them he eventually hammered into Closer to the Heart. So really, Closer to the Heart was inspired by Peter Talbot. I would love to read that original poem. Yeah. I, I couldn't find it. Yeah, neither could I. The lyrics are, are not very long, so no. why don't we go through them verse by verse yeah. and, and see concise, what you think. Concise, very concise. Yes. Um, the, the first question, of course, is uh, what does it mean to be closer to the heart? What do you think it means? I think it means that peace and love need to come from, from all segments of society. Yeah. The song itself. Yeah, compassion and empathy. Okay. I think. All right. It starts off in the men who hold high places must be the ones who start to mold a new reality. So I think it's looking, again, sort of like A Farewell to Kings, the song, looks toward people in positions of power. Mm-hmm to kickstart a certain attitude in the people. Okay. And I think that's what this first verse is saying. That it has to start somewhere, and it should probably start with our leaders. Oh, yeah, for sure. I got a quote from Neil here. He said that while A Farewell to Kings deals with the idea of problems, Closer to the Heart addresses solutions. Oh, I like that. No wonder he's such a good writer. (laughs) That's a (laughs) good... I wish I had said that. Oh, man. Neil's the best. He is. Yeah, that is just unbelievable you know the weird thing about society in general i think is that things are the way they are only because that's the way they are you know we have made them this way there's no reason for any kind of society to form in any certain way Mm -hmm. that's why there's so many different cultures around the world so if something can be made like if we can make something like that we can just make another one right we can we can just make a society that's closer to the heart if we wanted to because there's no reason why any facet of our society should be the way it is. So maybe after this this society crumbles due to the coronavirus, <laughs> we, we can create a new society, Jar. Right, based on toilet paper. A toilet paper-based economy. <laughs> Before we started the podcast, we were just talking about the lack of toilet paper here in the New Jersey area. Yeah, it's crazy. It is crazy. Really. So uh, the next verse, Jared, the blacksmith and the artist, we might need some blacksmiths uh, very soon <laughs> around right. here to build things for us. I know. What do you think about this verse? It talks about the amount of work that goes into something and um, some kind of creative energy to be a blacksmith and an artist, even though being a blacksmith, I guess, would be a little more practical than mm. being an artist. There's still a certain artistry. In oh, it. sure. Absolutely. Right. So, but there's necessity to what they're building. Right. Not that art isn't necessary, but... Yeah. But you can't as, use it to uh, right. hammer out a, a nail. A nail, exactly. <laughs> a roll of toilet paper. <laughs> yeah, and so it says, you know, they reflect it in their art. So they reflect compassion and empathy mm-hmm. in the things that they make. And then one of the best lines ever, they forge their creativity closer to the heart. The word forge. The word forge and the word creativity being like the forge for the blacksmith and creativity for the artist. And in the next verse, when he's talking about philosophers and plowmen. Yeah. To sow a new mentality. Yeah. So that, that plowman. Yeah, that one might even be better. Sow a new mentality. Because, you know, philosophers and, and farmers, they're both, I guess, planting seeds of a sort. Mm-hmm. One literal seeds and the other one figurative se- figuratively right. seeds in your mind. Mm-hmm. So 
Yeah, you don't get any better than philosophers and plowmen. Each must know his part to sow a new mentality closer to the heart. Really, I'd be hard-pressed to find something as good as that. Now, the last verse I think is great as well. You can be the captain. I will draw the chart. Mm. And the captain, of course, is sailing into destiny. They're sailing into destiny. Yeah, the two of them. Right, closer to the heart. Right. Now, what do you think that means, you can be the captain, I will draw the chart? Does that mean that Neil is suggesting that we let the people who are more qualified to lead us, lead us and kind of sit back and draw the chart if that's what our best role is? Yeah, I think it would be, um, you know, you can be in charge of the ship, like a leader of a country or something, but the people get to decide where we're going, Mm -hmm. right? Okay. Because we're drawing the chart. We're drawing the map of where we're going to go and then that person will get us there. Okay. So so I, I almost interpret it as both the leaders and the followers, if you want to call them followers, play a part in this. Yes. That's what I meant to say. Okay. No, no. Okay. No, that's fine. I just want to make sure we're on the same page. Yeah, that's I think all. so. Yeah. Uh, it is just a fantastic song. And you know, uh, really, it's such a beautiful song. It, it is really beautiful. Is. And you know, it was released as a single around Christmas time. And because it has those chimes in the beginning, oh, people, really? I was reading that some people felt it was a bigger song because it had sort of a Christmassy Christ- sort of tone to it at the beginning. <laughs> I don't know. I never heard Christmas when I heard this song, but... No, but he does ring those those bells. He does. That little hammer of his. And it was a huge hit, and no. it was a huge hit around December, I guess, 1977, I guess. So coming off all of their previous albums, it must have been quite strange to have an actual hit song. Yeah, well, I'm sure they didn't do it deliberately. No. I think it was just a coincidence, and I'm, the record company made a great call releasing this song as the single for yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely. And it really vaulted Rush into a just a different stratosphere. Yeah, absolutely. And sent them off to permanent waves and moving pictures and on and on and on. On and on. On and on. Sailing into destiny. Yeah. And the music, I mean, it's just perfect. Alex's solo is a classic. It is, it is. I mean, you could probably hum the solo note for note. I mean, it's yeah. just, it's just fantastic. And the song is only, I think, two and a half minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's a short it's one. It's just perfect. Yeah. Made for radio. Yeah. Throw it on. You got two minutes to fill before the top of the hour, whatever it is. Yeah. Throw that in there. Yeah. Perfect. And I've been trying to learn this song on guitar. Oh yeah. For, and? For years. <laughs> <laughs> the beginning is so hard to play. The beginning yeah. is, that is so hard to play. And then the, the, um, the other chords are so interesting because it's like an A and a, a G. He plays them like open, higher up on the neck. So it has a very open, free kind of sound uh-huh. to it. It's just, a, it's just really is a, an amazing, you, Alex is just, he's an innovator on guitar. He really is. And as we mentioned before, uh, we were talking about Xanadu. This has got to be in my top 10 Rush songs too. Really? I would think so. Yeah. I mean, isn't wow. it for you? I don't know. I really have not tried to make, I mean, we're making that long we, list. We have to make the long list, but the problem is I probably have about 30 songs in my top 10. That's not going to work math wise. Yeah. I mean, I did the same thing. <laughs> I just, I picked through all of the songs and put the ones I really love at the top and there has to be 60 of them. I mean, <laughs> I yeah. don't know what to say. <laughs> I don't know. Can I don't, you have 60 songs in your top 10? Mm, yes. I don't think so. We could bend space and time. All right, let's move on to track two on side two of A Farewell to Kings, Jer, Cinderella Man. A modest man from Mandrake Traveled rich to 
So, Jar, Cinderella Man, one of yeah. my favorite Rush songs. It is. It, it, it's so great. Yeah. Your thoughts initially? Well, written by, lyrics by Getty Lee. Yeah. Right? Is it the last song he wrote the lyrics to? I'm the, going the to. The Rush fans are going to kill us if we're wrong. Okay, then I'll say yes and you say no. <laughs> that way they so can't what, be mad. All right. I'm going to say no, but I, I think it's yes. But I'm, I'm going to say, say yes. All right. Yeah. All right. You just want to be right. <laughs> Unless I'm wrong. You know, I have to say that. Getty's lyric writing, I mean, this was only a few years later after the first album came out. So oh. much better. Oh, yeah. He learned so much from Neil. Absolutely. In such a short amount of time. Yeah. These lyrics are terrific. I they mean, are. if you hadn't told me that Getty wrote them, I would think Neil did. Right. I, I said really the same, would. I said the same thing about um, In the End on Fly By Night. I, yeah. I, for years, I thought that was that was Neil. Yeah. And uh, Getty's solo album, My Favorite Headache, the lyrics are pretty good, too. Yeah, absolutely. Much better than he could have done when he was 20. Yeah. Before he met Neil. Yeah. Really. I didn't know what Cinderella Man um, referred to. Okay. But it, it's actually a, a nickname that was given to a boxer. Really? Did you know that? I didn't know is that. Is that what the movie Cinderella Man is about? Isn't yes. it a boxing movie? Yes, it is. Russell Crowe, right? Sure. I did not I see, see I, didn't I didn't see Cinderella Man. So there was this boxer named James J. Brock. Okay. He was injured, so he uh, had a drop out of boxing, and then then the depression happened. Okay. So he was working on the docks, okay, you know, longshoreman or whatever. But then after the depression, or sometime in the depression, he got his second chance to fight again. And in 1935, I think he became heavyweight champion. Wow. So. A, a writer named Damon Runyon, okay, supposedly a famous sports writer. Okay, he nicknamed him Cinderella Man, huh? Because like Cinderella, I guess he just you know went from rags to riches. Interesting, or something. Interesting, yeah. and uh, you know, I read this song is based on a movie called Mister Deeds Goes to Town. Yeah, I think someone in that movie refers to Mister Deeds as a Cinderella Man. I think. Now, did that movie come out after this boxer? Yeah, I mean, it was a Frank, career? Frank Capra movie. Okay. So, All right. maybe. <laughs> Gary Cooper was uh, the star of the movie. He was Mr. Deeds. Yeah. You know, I think we should watch that movie. Yeah, we should. We should. As Rush fans, all Rush fans should have seen that movie. Don't right. you think? Sure. Why I not? mean, I didn't know it was about Mr. Deeds Goes to Washington until I started looking into the song, so. But it's one of Getty's favorite movies. So if it's one of Getty's favorite movies, maybe it's one of our favorite movies. Yeah, we should. Or maybe not. Never because know. Getty likes the Fleet Foxes. <laughs> I don't like the Fleet Foxes. I bought the Fleet Foxes CD because Getty loves it. So did I. And I said to myself, well, if Getty likes it, I must love it. And it was an outlier on his like 10 best Yeah, it was like, list. well, I never heard of the Fleet Foxes. This is a band I got to check out. Right. 
I was sadly disappointed. I'm yes. curious what our listeners think, though. I wonder how many Rush fans heard that Getty liked the Fleet Foxes, ran out and got it. How and, many of them actually liked it? Yeah, let us know. Maybe, maybe, maybe some did. Yeah. It's possible. Now, this song, I mean, we talked about the sound of this album before and yeah. how great it is, but this song just encapsulates that. I mean, the bass sound is just great. Yeah. It's just amazing. The acoustic guitar on the bridge. I mean, everything about A Farewell to Kings is in this song. Yeah. Everything I love about A Farewell to Kings, I Absolutely. should say, is in this song. And and, and the solo. Yeah. I mean, sounds, we say this about it. We've been saying this about every Rush song. The solo yeah. is just great. Yeah. Alex But is, the sound of the solo. Yeah. Yeah. So un, it's an unusual solo too. Mm-hmm. So, so good. The jam, the jam around that whole part. Mm-hmm. While he's soloing and Getty's going nuts. And I love the silent stop. Yeah. And just where it just stops. Yep. And then picks up again. It's, it's just great. It really is amazing. Right. Now the lyrics, Jar, I mean, specifically, we talked about they're, they're really good. Your interpretation of the lyrics. Well, do you know what the plot of Mr. Deeds Goes to Washington is? Because I did not. I did, I did not look it up. No. Okay. I would, I would assume it has something to do with these lyrics. Yeah, I, would assume so. I assume so. I would assume he's from Mandrake. Mr. Deeds. Yeah. (laughs) I was reading this and I was singing in my head a modest mouse for Mandrake. But I think it's just about a guy who is wealthy who decides to go out in the world and help people with his money. And people think he's crazy. And people think he's crazy for giving away his money. And can't take it with you, man. And leading a, a selfless life. They say he has delusions of grandeur, visions of splendor, call him a manic depressive. Because he walks in the rain. It's an odd thing to do walking in the rain, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Well, I but think still, he should be commended for giving away his money. Yeah. Doesn't I mean, mean he's necessarily crazy, but I, I can understand why people would think that. Yeah. Um, it reminds me, the character in this story, in this, uh, the character in this song reminds me of a character in a Kurt Vonnegut novel uh, called God Bless You, Mr. Rosewater. Okay. You ever read that? No. Elliot Rosewater, he's um, the son of a very rich man and he's in control of the family. Um, endowment okay. for the Rosewater Foundation. And the Rosewater Foundation ostensibly is a charitable organization, but it's really just a gigantic tax shelter for the family. But Elliot uses the money to help anybody who comes to him for help. Doesn't ask them any questions. Really? He just gives the money away to them. And his family hates him for it. And they eventually uh, put him into a, like a... Well, you know why his family hates him for it? Because... They figured when he dies, we're getting that money, right? Um, yeah, exactly right. He's t- depleting the, the funds. Yeah. But it's a, it's a strange thing to do, right? I guess if you're so rich to just help people, I don't know. I just think people would be so much happier if they didn't expect inheritances from people. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know why. I'm one of these people. I don't, I don't expect to ever get any money from anyone. Right, like Warren Buffett, right? His he his kids aren't getting anything from him. They shouldn't though. No. And Why ha- should they? There was a thing on NPR about his kids, you know, and they were asking them questions about, you know, how does it feel to have your dad worth whatever he's worth a hundred billion dollars and to know you that you're not getting anything. And they were like, It's fine with us. That's how we were raised. Yeah. So Yeah, could, well why should they get everything? Right. And I'm sure look, I'm sure having Warren Buff- Buffett as a father helped them become successful people on their own. Right. Just having that guy as your dad. And he lived in the same house that he bought before he was a rich man. 
Yeah, and he still drinks. What what soda does he drink every day? Like six cans of Cherry Coke or something? Is it Cherry Coke that he drinks? Yeah, <laughs> I was, was going to say RC Cola because it's cheaper. I than forget Coke. what kind. I forget what kind of soda it is, but he drinks six cans of. It's either Diet Coke or Cherry Coke, something like that. Wow, every day, and he's what eighty? I don't know. Okay, that's my new. <laughs> My new morning ritual, six cans of Diet Coke, shotgun six cans. But we really got off topic. We sure did. Um, Yeah, so uh, that's basically the song. It's not, you know, the lyrics are just very, very straightforward about this man who tries to uh, fight injustice with his money. Yeah. So it's great. You know, when we said this wouldn't be as good as the one that we threw away, this podcast, you know, we... This is part two. Mm-hmm. We didn't talk about Warren Buffett on the last one. We didn't. So no. So this is so much better. Yeah. I do have one more thing. Yes. On Cinderella Man. Jar. What do you think is the best man Rush song? Is it Cinderella Man, Working Man, Digital Man, or New World Man? New World Man. New World Man. Yep. Really? Mm-hmm. I think it's this one. Really? Yeah. I love New World Man though. Well, I love it too. I love all those songs. But which is the best? You say New World Man. Yes. What do you think the Twitterverse will say? I, I put it up as a poll. I have my elbow on the pulse of the Twitterverse. I have no idea what they think. <laughs> what they think. Okay, so uh, let's move on to track five on A Farewell to Kings, Jer. Madrigal. When the dragons grow too mighty To slay with pen or sword I grow weary of the battle And the storm I walk toward When all around is madness And there's no safe port in view I long to turn my path forward To stop a while So did I say that right, Jer? Madrigal? Is that how you say it? That's how I would say it. Madrigal. Madrigal. Okay. So your thoughts on Madrigal? Um, Well, I had to look up what the word meant. And evidently it's a song for many voices from the Renaissance. Yeah. Yeah. I looked Um, that up too. And a type of poem set to music. Okay. So maybe that was before lyrics were a thing to songs. And so you decided to like grab poems and put them to music? Maybe. That's that's possible. That that's, that's possible. Huh. I, th- I think it's definitely possible. Is there any musicologists listening? Maybe you can let us know if that's a real thing. But it's a it's a beautiful song. It's a beautiful love song from Rush. See, now I'm surprised. I thought that this would be one of the songs that you didn't like. Yeah, you would think, given but, my history. Yeah, given your history. No, seriously, because this reminds me. Other than the fact that this has percussion and Rivendell does not, this reminds me a little of. This oh. is a, this is on par with Rivendell for me. Oh, well, I didn't. I don't think that at all. No, I think it's a beautiful song, an, okay. an unusual song for for Neil at this time. I think. Why do you say that? Well, because he no, he doesn't really get very uh, personal in his okay. lyrics, or he hadn't. In, or he hadn't at that at point. this point. Yeah. yeah. So this is a, this is a straight up love song. He's missing his lady, yeah. basically, and it's you know when all around is madness and there's no safe port in view i long to turn my path homeward to stop a while with you it's just it's a great song i love it yeah i don't know i mean for whatever reason it just doesn't do it for me but also kind of it hangs well with the um classical guitar intro 
to Farewell to Kings, the song. Yeah. So it has that kind of thing in common to it. So I think it, it serves a good place on the album. Unlike maybe, you know, Rivendell did for me or Tears. I didn't really like how they fit in with the album, but I think this out this song fits in great with this album. Okay. Yeah, I disagree. I feel I feel like it grinds to a halt there for me. Mm. If it grinds to a halt, it's going to pick up again with the next well, song. Well, <laughs> of course. That's what I mean. It's just in between Cinderella Man, which I love, and right. Cygnus X1, which is crazy. Mm. It just seems it seems out of place to me, but may, look, maybe I'm off base. No, could be. Could be. I'd like to know what other people think. Yeah. Do you think and, it would have worked better maybe as the first song on the second side? Or after Closer to the Heart? I don't know where I think it would work better. I don't know. It just doesn't fit for me. Mm. That's all. I don't hate it. Right. I just don't love it. Right. That's all. It's a, actually a, a, a slow tempo song, right? Yeah. Which Not, I, I'm surprised that you don't feel the same way I do. It might just be the, the leftover magic from the rest of the album that's just spilling yeah, onto this one. Could be. Could be that the word dragons is in it. Yeah, you're dragons. you're very mystical with your dragons. I love. Yeah, you love a song about dragons and pens and swords. Yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of people think that all of Rush's lyrics are about dragons and pens and swords. It's this is the only one. Yeah, I mean, of course. I mean, like we said when we were talking about Xanadu, the double neck guitars. People think that all they did was play these enormous, heavy double neck guitars, but they. They didn't. You throw the word dragon in a song once, Jar, and you're pigeonholed for the right. rest of your career. Then you're a dragon writer for the rest of your life. <laughs> hey, there goes that dragon writer. Oh, man. But yeah, so for me, A+. plus. Okay. All you right, good. C+. Plus. I do like the bass line. It's kind of got a flanger on it. You know what a flanger is? It's I do got that, not know what a flanger is. I don't know how to describe it. Sounds like a it, flanger. <laughs> it flanges? It flanges. Well, that sort of is. It, it kind of... Dips up and then yeah, dips the, up and down a little bit. Mm, I'll kind look of, it up. Yeah, look it up. Google it, everyone. Yeah, flanger, flanger. <laughs> the last song on a farewell to King's Jar is Cygnus X One, Book One. Invisible to telescopic eye, infinity, the star that would not die. So, Jared, this song is crazy. Yeah, it's the kookiest song. I love it. Yeah. Love it. Love it. This song is so heavy. Yeah. And and, and just insane. It's like four songs in one. I, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> I, 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 may have, I may have mentioned this before, but Rush is so tight on this record. Yeah. I mean, so in sync. And on this song, yeah. it's, it's pronounced. I mean, the bass, the drums, the guitar are just... Bang, bang, especially, bang. Especially at the beginning, you know, with the, it starts off with the bass. Yeah. Well, it doesn't start off with the bass, right? It's then, then, mm-hmm. then like the, the spoken word. I'm talking about when the music right. comes in. And it's really slow. You know, the bass. Dun, 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 dun. It, doesn't, a, it doesn't fade in, but you kind of hear it in the distance. Right. Getting closer. But then when, when the drums come in, 
oh god it's just like you said it's so tight yeah it's very it's like a jazzy beat to me now i didn't read that they did this in one take like they did xanadu in one take but maybe they did who knows who the heck knows right so cygnus x1 i guess is a black hole right yes it's an actual thing in space called Cygnus. so there is a black hole called cygnus x1 yes and this uh this song is about traveling to that black hole To that black hole yeah black holes are interesting you know i I like to talk about weird stuff please do um black holes aren't holes i don't know if you know that they're three-dimensional objects well, I didn't know that, but when you talked about it the first time we recorded this podcast. Oh, did I say yes, that before? you did. Oh. You did, but nobody heard it except you and me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting because when you think of a black hole, you think it's a hole just in space. And then sometimes you see it uh, described as like a funnel. Right. Like being at the bottom of this funnel and just sucking everything in. But space is a three-dimensional object. So this is a... a star that has blown off its layers and gone supernova and it's just a a single mass of whatever the star was collapses in on itself and it's just heavy mass of star okay and it's the gravity is so strong that the escape velocity is the speed of light and since nothing can go faster than the speed of light nothing can ever leave it so that's why it's black because no light ever comes from it oh okay that's why it's called a black and it's a black hole because it's a hole because nothing everything just goes in there and you never see it again not the type of place you'd want to take the rosinante for a stroll no no keep your <laughs> keep your rosinante away from the black that was in the manual is it, it rosinante or rosinante i think he says is, rosinante is that a tomato tomato kind of thing can you pronounce it either way i don't know i've never <laughs> had occasion to say the word rosinante except in this song did you know that Rocinante or Rocinante is the name of the horse that Zeus rides? I didn't. Yeah. He rides it just around? Yeah. Like it's his yeah, when he's, Vespa? Yep, exactly. You know, Zeus didn't really exist, Jar. <laughs> <laughs> People thought he did, though. People probably still think he did. Yeah, I bet you there are. I mean, Thor's exists, right? You saw sure. him in those movies? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How many people do you think still believe in the Greek gods? Do you think there are people? There must be. There have to be. <laughs> you would hope. Why would you hope that people believe in Greek gods? I don't know. They they seem more believable than other gods I've heard of. <laughs> I don't know. They're coming down to earth and they're mating with, oh, it's weird, man. These are weird stories. They're a very oh. vengeful lot. But um, yeah, so in this song, these people, is it, I guess it's just one person in his spaceship, right? Right. W- actually wants to go to this black hole mm-hmm. for, I don't know. Discovery, discovery, because he says, all who dare to cross her course are swallowed by a fearsome force through the void to be destroyed. Or is there something more? Atomized at the core or through the astral door to soar. So do you think it's something like the Fountain of Lemneth where he's going to find something? Yeah. And, and doesn't end up finding it clearly because he gets sucked into the black hole? Well, he comes out the other side in hemispheres. So I think that the idea of that funnel... Mm-hmm. That uh, black hole is like a, is from one end is attached to some other reality on the other side. It's like mm. a, a hole in the fabric of space. And that's, I think that's why it's usually represented as that little funnel. Cause you go down the funnel and you come out the other side, even though that's not actually what happens. But metaphorically in this song, or I guess literally in this song, that's what he thinks is going to happen. And that's what does happen hmm. when we get to hemispheres. Unlike... The Fountain of Lameth, where it doesn't happen. Right. Interesting. Yeah. 
I love the third part of the song, spinning, whirling, still descending like a spiral sea unending. And Getty, I mean, the note he hits there, sea unending, I can't even do uh, it. Yeah, I, mean, I wouldn't even try. <laughs> I mean, he's screaming. He is screaming. And it's great. Yeah. Sound and fury drowns my heart. Every nerve is torn apart. Which is funny because I was reading up on, again, reading up on black holes. You know, I do a lot of research, Steve. <laughs> oh, sure you <laughs> and, do. And, um... One of the things is I found some articles about what happens to you if you fall into a black hole. You can imagine no good things happen to you. I would guess uh, every nerve is torn apart. Yeah, basically. I mean, yeah. you're just destroyed. Um, this was a live science article from okay. seven years ago. What would happen if you fell into a black hole? Oh, great. And this, there's a quote that I love at the end of this from a guy named Charles Liu. Uh, at this time... Seven years ago, he was an astrophysicist at the Hayden Planetarium in oh, New okay. York. okay, yeah. Have, you've been there? I have. Yeah, it's great. He says, first of all, you approach the speed of light as you fall into the black hole. So the faster you move through space, the slower you move through time. Furthermore, as you fall, there are things that have been falling in front of you that have experienced an even greater time dilation than you have. So if you were able to look forward toward the black hole, you see every object that has ever fallen in the past. And then if you look backwards, you'll be able to see everything that will ever fall into the black hole behind you. That's weird. I have no idea how that's possible. How could you see all those things at once? Or you just have the ability to see them? Yeah, I don't. I can't answer that question. You're moving at the speed of light, so I guess time stops for you. Huh. No wonder they wanted to take the Rosinante <laughs> into there. It sounds like a cool thing to check out. Yeah, and as you fall into the black hole, the gravity is... Uh, you know, it's so massive that mm-hmm. there's a, a greater pull on one side of your body than the other. Whichever mm. side of, of your body is closest to the hole, to the black hole, gets pulled apart faster. So it, there's a term for it called spaghettification. So you just are just drawn apart. Your feet, if you fall feet first, your feet are moving faster than the rest of your body and it just pulls you into a string. So it spaghettifies you? Yeah. Spaghettification, spaghettification, wow. very technical term. So, what are you, what are your thoughts on um, the beginning of the song, the spoken word part? Love the spoken word part. Cool, right? Yeah, it's the same voice from the Necromancer, is it not? Uh, possibly. I mean, it's um, I don't know who did the voiceover for the Necromancer though. Terry Brown was it? If it was Terry Brown, then yes, this is the same. Voice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Someone will correct us. They always do. And even though, again, this is a sort of like Madrigal. I didn't like this type of setup in earlier songs. What do you mean setup? You know, setting it up with a voiceover. Oh, okay. Yeah. You didn't like that in the Necromancer? No, but I love it here. Why? Why, why the I, difference? I, I can't tell you. This, this album is magic. You can't tell me or you won't tell me? I don't know. <laughs> I'm unable to put into words. Okay. All right. Uh, it's just a, it's a, it's a great intro to this weird song with the bell in the background. Oh yeah. Atmospheric. It's crazy. It is a bananas. I'm going to say something you're going to think is the stupidest thing I've ever said. I think this is in my top 10 too. (laughs) How am I going to fit all these songs in my top 10? I think it's just the influence of talking about it that makes you think it's in your top 10. You think? I mean, it's a great song. Don't get me wrong. I think if I sat down and actually, we have to do it. I mean, we've been talking about this forever. Once we get finished with all the albums, which will be, you know, a couple months from now. Yeah. We're going to do our top 10 Rush songs. We got to do it. Yeah. We got to do it. We've been talking Top about 10, it for though, two. I mean, we'll have to. You've got to do 10, man. You can only do 10. I'm only going to allow 10. You got to leave something out. Not 20? No. 10. 30? 
Let's compromise. 40. <laughs> Not happening. Wow. That's so, an, anyway, it's so yeah, far. Anyhow, so usually when we're finished with an album, we'll do a set list from a show that we were at. But unfortunately, we were youngsters when this album came out and when they toured for this album. So I just pulled up a random set list, Jer. Okay. From a Farewell to Kings tour. Uh, this is from the Montreal Forum. Forum de Montreal. In Montreal, nice. Canada, March 31st, 1978. Let's see. We saw our first Rush show, March 31st, 1986. Okay. Which was how many years after that? Eight? Do the math. So this is eight eight years to the day. <laughs> eight years to the day. Eight years to the day. Wow. Prior to our first Rush show. So here it is. Bastille Day opened the set. Lakeside Park. By Tour and the Snow Dog. Xanadu. A farewell to Kings. What what a what a set list this yeah, is. Yeah, really. Something for nothing. Cygnus X One. Anthem. Closer to the heart. Uh, then twenty one twelve in its entirety. Working man. Fly by night. In the mood. And a drum solo. Wow. How about that? And then for the encore, what do you think? After all those songs I just listed, what could they possibly do for an encore? I, what I, could they possibly do for an encore, Jer? I don't know. Tell me. Cinderella Man. How about that? Yeah. That's cool. That's a show. Yeah. You know, we were just talking about- They only did one song as an, as an encore? Yeah. Huh. Off the podcast, we were, we were discussing, you know, how jealous we were of fans who saw Rush before we did. This is one of those shows I would yeah. love to have been at. Absolutely. Really, really would have been great. So, Jared, next time on the Rush Fancast, uh, we've got a couple of interviews for you the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So we're excited about that. And after we're done with those interviews, then then we're going to get into Hemispheres, right. which is going to be we'll very- find, We'll find out what happens to the pilot of the Rocinante. Right. But you're going to have to wait three weeks to find out. From us, well, from us, at least. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to just find out, you can just listen to Hemispheres. But why don't you wait? Wait till we tell you what happens. That's right. That's the way to do it. You can find us on Twitter at Rush Fancast, Instagram the Rushcast, email Jerry with your thoughts on this podcast. And any other podcast. And any other topic you want to discuss with sure. Jerry. Jerry yeah. will answer all your questions about anything. I will. He will. Conundrums. <laughs> Pretty much anything. And Jerry, until next time, I've got nothing else for this podcast except your quote. Okay. So I hope you have one. I do. Let's hear it. Are you ready? Uh, I was born ready. <laughs> You can be the captain and I will draw the chart, sailing into destiny, closer to the heart. That's beautiful. Isn't it? It is. Take it easy. All right, see ya.